A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. There's probably a a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but... God is in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are God's by faith in his son. <laughs> Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 317. That's the victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. <laughs> <laughs> right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name. Get out here right now. So put your trust in the sovereign risen king Who doesn't owe you one cotton picking thing And yet he still promises to furnish his disciples But we take what he's created and we turn him into idols I'll never back down, so how can I keep it in? But you'll never see me preaching the sin of TBM Yeah, spirit and truth is worship viewed in this chemistry But, but some are spewing distorted views of the Trinity Hey everybody, welcome to episode 22 of The Master's Dog. I am your host, The Evangelical Norm. I am actually trying to verify what episode we are on because I didn't look before. And yes, it is episode 22. So many moving parts and uh, I'm not always able to keep up. So, uh, today we are going to do a double header on the Master's Dog. We are going to, it's a Saints Unscripted double header. We're going to look at the usual uh, thing that we look at, the uh, faith and beliefs section of the Saints Unscripted podcast. We are going to respond to that simply because I've said we will always respond to that. And uh, that was a whole beginnings of this portion of my podcasts is simply to respond to faith and beliefs uh, from Saints Unscripted. And so did that for a while. It became a little, became more. So I wanted to respond to more than just the faith and beliefs. So I changed the name from faith and beliefs refuted to the master's dog. Anytime the Lord's word comes under attack, uh, the Lord's truth comes under attack. 
we are going to respond to it um, as deemed necessary. So we are going to jump in. We're going to look at um, what is really going to account to be a, a nothing burger on this uh, faith and beliefs. But it was the episode of just the Saints Unscripted regular uh, podcast that I'm going to respond to afterwards and is going to be the uh, majority of this particular episode so we'll go ahead and we'll jump in we will let david talk about hopefully we won't get a uh ad in here but we'll let david talk about uh did joseph smith base book of mormon names on his local geography let's take a look Okay, guys, so in this episode, we're going to tackle another Book of Mormon conspiracy theory. I really like these episodes because it just shows to what lengths people will go to try to discredit the Book of Mormon. But here's the gist of the theory. The Book of Mormon contains 86 geographic names. Some people believe Joseph Smith simply made some of these places up based on actual geographic locations he was surrounded by. What's it called? It's called, um, Wainstock. It's called Wainstock. Let's see if there's any clout to that claim. Let's see. In the most popular anti-Latter-day Saint literature right now, only 20 locations out of 86 are under the microscope for being taken from Joseph's surroundings. We're going to take a look at them a few at a time. The Book of Mormon locations. Alma, Anianti, Boaz, Shilom, Land of Noah, Sidom, and Jerusalem all supposedly match up with the following locations. Alma, West Virginia, or Ohio, or New York, Antioch, Ohio, Boaz, West Virginia, Shiloh, Pennsylvania, Noah Lakes, Ohio, Sodom, Ohio, and Jerusalem, Ohio. To some people, that might seem pretty concerning at face value, except none of these places existed in 1830. There was one house in Jerusalem, Ohio in 1830, and really, even if Joseph was a fraud, wouldn't the Bible be a more logical explanation for where he got Jerusalem? <laughs> in fact, Sidom, Noah, Shilom, Jerusalem, and Boaz all have matches or near matches in the Bible. Coincidentally, they're all words found in the Old Testament, which is the portion of the Bible that Book of Mormon characters would have had access to. Here's our next batch. The waters of Ripleyancum, Jacobugoth, Rama, Shur, Kishkumen, and Manti all must correspond with Ripple Lake, Ontario, Jacobsburg, Ohio, Rama, Ontario, Sherbrooke, Quebec, Kishkemenetes, Pennsylvania, and Mantua, Ohio. Technically, it's possible Joseph could have known... Unless you're in Utah, and then that's pronounced Manaway. ...about these places. Is it likely? The chances are 725. To one. That's up to you. Ripple Lake is one of like a thousand small lakes located over 300 miles from Joseph at the time. Jacobugoth and Rama have Bible roots. Sherbrooke got its name in 1818 and was a tiny community over 400 miles from Joseph. Kishkimenetas is over 300 miles from Joseph. Wasn't officially established until 1876, but does show up in a post office guide from 1825. Mantua is almost 300 miles away, wasn't established until 1898, but does show up in an 1823 post office guide. Why Joseph is apparently really into post office guides, I don't know, but here's our last batch. Jordan, Lehigh, Helam, Antum, Morianton, Land of Oneida, and Oneida Hill must come from 
Jordan, New York, Lehigh, Pennsylvania, Hillam, Pennsylvania, Antrim, Pennsylvania, Moravian Town, Ontario, Oneida County, and a village called Oneida Castle, New York. These are the strongest parallels in the whole batch, but again, Jordan, Lehigh, and Helam are in the Bible. Moravian Town is an Indian reservation in Canada, almost 300 miles away from Joseph. You can make up your minds about the others. But out of the 86 geographic names in the Book of Mormon, this is apparently the best theory critics have got. But wait, there's more. In addition to these 20, there's also the theory that Joseph got the name Camorra from the Comoros Islands off the coast of Mozambique, over 8,000 miles away. And to spice things up, critics are quick to point out that there's a city in this island country called Moroni. But wow. critics have struggled to piece together how Joseph would have known about Moroni, considering the fact that in Joseph's time, Moroni was so small that nobody has yet found a map or gazette contemporary to Joseph that goes to the trouble of identifying it. But could it possibly just be coincidence that a name as unique as Moroni exists outside the Book of Mormon? Well, considering the fact that some of the other locations in this country are Demoni, Chamoni, Bomboni, and Pomoni, I don't think it's that much of a stretch. Now, as I was researching this topic, I thought I'd do a little five-minute experiment for the sake of science. What a fine day for science! First, I made up a few names that I thought sounded like something you might find in the Book of Mormon. Mora, Stalancum, Shumim, Zaniha, and I threw the Bible name David in there just for kicks and giggles. Then I wondered if I could find actual locations that were matches or near matches to my made-up names. Since Joseph was headquartered in New York during the Book of Mormon translation, I picked Kentucky as my headquarters. Lo and behold, I found matches or near matches for three out of the five names in Kentucky. Coincidence? Well, yes. Sure. Absolutely. I've never heard of any of those places. The point is, I think this whole argument is devoid of any real credibility. In fact, even the author of the anti-Latter-day Saint uh -huh. literature in which this argument appears recognized years ago how weak this argument was and considered just editing it out of his book completely. I think that says something. If you have more questions about this topic... Okay, we're going to stop there and then we're going to move on. So I just let him go because... This is an art. This is an example in um, knocking down straw men. <laughs> this is this entire thing is a straw man argument. One of all of the anti-Mormon scholars and um, apologists that I know, Aaron Shafawalov, uh, Bill McKeever, Matt Slick, Sandra Tanner. Um, Jeff Durbin, James White, you name it, um, me, <laughs> you know, none of them have I ever heard use this argument, ever, never. This is, I mean, this if it if it was an argument, if it is an argument, and and granted, I can't say I've never heard it. I've, I know that it's out there, that it has been used, just like the books, the, you know the view of the Hebrews and the late war and so on. Those are things that people have used, um, but none of the people that I know ever use them because there's so many other things we can, we can go to, to look at the, uh, the fraudulent, uh, nature of the book of Mormon. 
let's just simply look at the fact that there is zero manuscript evidence for the Book of Mormon. None. All the manuscript, the, the only manuscript was taken away. The unique way that supposedly the Book of Mormon was recorded, not like the Old Testament of the Bible or the New Testament, where we have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of manuscripts. Nowhere do we find anywhere where things are passed down and recorded on plates, and only one manuscript of this exists. This is what y'all expect us to believe. And now you're going to try to throw out some stupid argument like this. And yeah, you, you raise it up and you knock it down. That's a fantastic straw man argument, David. Way to go. Very proud of you. Good job. Good job. But let's let this go on. I need to get Check to the little the link in the click point to go to the next video because I've never done two videos in a row before. But we're going to get here where it's going to give us, we are going to move on to this video. You know, video. Justin, I got to tell you, I, do. I, was, I, was, I, was, I was watching you know, a Christian show, and they told me right there that, you know, the Book of Mormon. Okay, again, we're going to see what they do here is they take and they, they ridicule reductio ad absurdum. And they're expecting you to, uh, I don't know if Chuck Knox quote uh coined this phrase but somebody did to swallow the reductio so they are going to ridicule this at first and make it seem ridiculous and so on and then they're going to go in but there are specific things that we're going to talk about here biblical evidences of the book of mormon and we're going to tackle these this is the stuff that they are literally deceiving you with so let's get into this you know, the Bible talks nothing about the Book of Mormon. There's not supposed to be anything other than the Bible. So you guys, you know, you're damned to hell. And I say that because I love you. But, you know, if you read any other book but then decide the one that I approve, then it's not Christianity. i got to tell you that right there. Welcome to our show. Yeah, I, I, I feel you. So, um, <laughs> this is a thing we hear all, maybe not in that, like, Minnesota accent, but that's a thing we hear you know, all the time. Like, yeah. all you need is the Bible. Anything else is not true. The Bible doesn't talk about anything else coming forward. So before we get into this, let's just squash both of those, okay? Let's do it. Let's squash First, it. First, which key. Bible? You use the King James Bible or the NRV or the NISV or whatever Bible in the U.S. because you're in the U.S. You don't use the Ethiopian Tejado Bible, but if you're in Ethiopia, you would. Right? There's a, there's a number of different... Okay, stop. Because this is supposedly making go, well, the Ethiopia Tejado or whatever Bible is completely different from the, the Bible that we use. The Ethiopia, I would have to assume, and I could be wrong, you can point it out to me later, is translated into Ethiopian from the original manuscripts and the original languages, Hebrew, Greek... Uh, Aramaic, Latin, whatever, translated into that language, just as King James Version, ESV, whatever, is translated from. So we have these Bibles, but, I mean, you have, I have a, somewhere on my shelf, I have a French Book of Mormon and a, an English Book of Mormon. Oh, well, which Book of Mormon is it? You're, you were born in America, so you use the English Book of Mormon because you're not in France. This is, again, another stupid straw man argument. 
Bibles that actually have different books in them and different doctrines, and you only use the one you use. No. The King, uh, New World Translation, their apocryphal, so on. I mean, there are a few, but the majority of accepted Bibles, whether it's in Ethiopian, whether it's in Chinese, whether it's in French, whether it's in Spanish, whatever, are same books, uh, 66 of them, um, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament, same books recognized as canon by the Protestant Church. Yes, we may use something different than the Catholic because we don't have the Apocrypha or so on. But again, this is a straw man argument that is meaningless. And Kwaku knows it. Kwaku knows it. He has been educated on this by many people. And he still is going to lie to you and deceive you intentionally. Because you live in America or Europe. Not even all, like, parts of Europe use different ones. Like, that's the only reason. So, you have the Bible, but the Bible just means collection or little library, right? So, mm -hmm. the Bible you have isn't the official Bible. It's just the one that you happen to have from Protestant American tradition, okay? Again, we have a recognized canon of Scripture. 30, 66 books. 39-27. That is recognized as canon. And yes, we have different, whether it's the message, which is horrible, um, or the ESV, which is what I prefer, or the New King James Version, which is not bad, or the King James Version, which is not bad, but there are some errors that were made by those scholars back then, 500 years ago. Um, there's a, a, You have the New World Translation, which is a fabrication. You have the Joseph Smith Translation which is a fabrication. So there are some that are, are, are bad, and we recognize those, and we know what they are. Again, it's the whole issue of recognizing the genuine, knowing the genuine enough that you can recognize a counterfeit when it comes around. I want an edit of that, of just every time you say the, the Bible. That argument stems from a lack of cultural understanding. It just does. It's, it's a sociologically incoherent argument. Well, and, and That's an outright lie. And I, I think... Um, education what yeah. is it ignorance oh, yeah. i feel like it just has to be do with the understanding of cultures and where the bible came from and how history is recorded the bible is not i mean yes there are like direct revelations from god recorded in the bible but a lot of it is historically like if you take it out of its historical context it makes no sense yeah people will just take the bible and they'll make it say whatever they want it to say and they read the Bible as if, like, God just dropped it from heaven one right, day. Right, right. That's just not how as it if, happened. As if yeah. every word was literally written by the hand of God. It, like, just, it just was not. Like, but it just that, wasn't. Okay, that, then you're calling Paul, the apostle, a liar. Because Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. This is, all scripture was inspired by God. God moved upon these men through their personalities and so on and what is written is what was given by god period and your denial of that is one of the things that takes you outside of orthodoxy and which is why we say that mormonism is not christian right. and so again you have to understand the Bible for what it is. Mm -hmm. If you don't understand that, then you're going to be led astray, and you're not going to understand the nature of salvation or exaltation 
or dare I say even Jesus Christ. But, so, but that's what's so cool about... So here, now they have completely cast their doubts upon the Bible. The Bible isn't inspired by God. It isn't here. Now they're going to tell you all the things in the Bible that tell you about the Book of Mormon. But don't trust it. This episode today is is because you know we believe that we have the Book of Mormon and that it, it did go through a, the minimal amounts of translation. It's still, yeah. you know, like the... The ancient Americans, you know, they went yeah, through. Yeah, they weren't who, perfect. You know, yeah. and who knows how they recorded, and they probably did a very similar thing, oral tradition, you know. And, yeah. But what I love. No, that's not what your history says. Your history says that these plates were passed from one prophet to another, and they wrote down. None of this was oral tradition. This is, the, again, another outright lie. About this episode is we're going to talk about the things that were in common mm-hmm. between the Bible and the Book of Mormon as far as some revelations and prophecies, and that's what's cool. Yeah, is that even though word for word we may not have everything perfect in the Bible or even the Book of Mormon, you know, mm-hmm. but the the idea, the prophecies, if that that are the same, yeah, you know, that's those like, that's are very pretty those things that are very preserved by God. Yeah, that mankind did, wasn't able to really change. So. So, these things that we want you to believe about the Book of Mormon, those were preserved by God. Everything else, subject to corruption. Um, Let's talk about some of those prophecies. So, smaller prophecy, but very applicable, is Joseph's prophecy. Um, In Jacob's blessing to Joseph, you know, biblical times, allusions are made to a branch that would be broken off, and the branches would run over the wall. And this, that is posterity, would have their divine blessing. Where did it say it was broken off? And, I mean, it said it runs over the wall. It said it was a fruitful bough, that, and its branches run over the wall. It never said anything about being broke off. And none of this is, is supposedly Joseph said, oh, this is about me. This is about me, or, or Lehi. And, and so, but again, nowhere does it say it was broken off. It does say it was, it ran over the wall. So it could be about Lehi. It's definitely not about Joseph Smith. Blessings, and we see that come true in the Book of Mormon with um, the all the Nephites. Yeah. You know, like the family of Joseph going all over the world and and blessing the entire world. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, you know, it's I think that had more to do with lineage. You know, yes. than any but but it says that that lineage had divine blessings, and we see that the Nephites, you know. Yeah. Felt that to be true, you know, like that every time they were righteous, they received the blessings of that lineage. Yeah. Very far-fetched. Huge stretch. But, okay. Um, another thing is the visit of a resurrected Christ. So, of course, we all know that uh, Jesus tells his apostles, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, which I also, you know, will right, go to. Right. Some people interpret it as just the apostles going out because when they went to... They went in various directions, different countries. Right. But he says that I will visit. And so he personally has to visit them. And that is recorded in the Book of Mormon. Which is, and I love that too because I. It le- okay, that doesn't say that he will visit them. He says, Other sheep I have in this fold that I also will bring. This is. We recognize as Christians that God draws all people to himself, he draws people to Christ. It is God, it is Christ that draws people in. It is the and so even now Christ is drawing people to himself. He is bringing them. It doesn't say that he has to visit them. This is a, a, a misinterpretation uh, by them. Uh, again, um, 
metaphor uh, metaphorized as they say some, something like that here in a minute but this is not what christ says he does not say i must visit them he says i will bring them well every person that comes to him is drawn by the father um so every person that it comes to christ is drawn and so he brings them it is it is christ who brings us to salvation it doesn't say that he had to visit them but if that is the case, then we have a couple of things, and I'm going to let them talk because this gets to be some important stuff that they reject. It opens up the opportunity that he not only visited, the like that he could have visited other places too, and he says yeah. he did. You yeah, know? in the Book of Mormon, he straight up right. says Nephites and other ship I have, and I'll go visit them, so yeah. we'll wait for those records one and, day and I too. Think, and I think that's really awesome. Okay, one, this is just an actual, absolute plagiarism of the verse that it was before that. Um, so he just gave the same speech to the Mormons, and they act like, again, this is one of those proofs that the Book of Mormon is false because they plagiarized the Bible. Joseph plagiarized much of the Bible. So Jesus didn't say anything different to the Nephites. He just came back and recited and recanted the exact same verbatim speeches that he gave to the apostles in Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, we also have the. So again, now here they mentioned the he's going to go to these other sheep and potentially bring other words. I want to just back that up a little bit. Hopefully, I can do this without losing too much. But let's listen. Excuse me. Listen to that again. Recently asked to visit them, and that is recorded in the Book of Mormon. Which is, and I love that too because it opens up the opportunity that he not only visited the like that. He could have visited other places too, and he says yeah. he did. You yeah, know? in the Book of Mormon, he straight up says right. Nephites and other sheep I have, and I'll go visit them. So yeah. we'll wait for those records when and, they and do. I think, and I think that's we'll wait, wait for those records when they do. Well, let me introduce you, Quaku, to Matthew Gill in the UK. He supposedly, back in the eighties or nineties, received a visitation from an angel named Jeranek. I think it was Jeranek or Aaronek or somebody who gave him the book of Jeranek, which is another testament of Jesus Christ for the people on the British Isles, where Jesus came. And exactly what you guys are talking about, Jesus went to Great Britain and visited those people and gave them a record, much of which I'm, I'm assuming is probably plagiarized from the Bible as well. And this man, Matthew Gill, claimed, and I, I can't find anything now, so maybe he's renounced this claim, but whatever, um, claimed to be a prophet and said at the time it was Monson that he should be the prophet over the LDS church over and above Monson because of his revelation of the book of Jeronek. I have a question for you, Kwaku. Will you read the book of Jeronek? Will you read Matthew Gill? And will you pray about it and see if it is true and see if the burning in your bosom shows you that this is an actual testament of Jesus Christ, which is exactly what you're talking about right here? Will you do that? I guarantee you, I've asked this of hundreds of Mormons. None of them will. They all reject it out of hand. But you just said, you just said that you're waiting for these books, but yet you're going to reject every single one of them that comes because they may not fit in with what you want. This is going to become another thing coming up in what they talk about here in a minute. So, so you have the Bible, but the Bible oh. just means collection of... How did I get way back there? But he says that I will visit. Sorry, so he I must hit the wrong them, button. And that is recorded in the Book of Mormon. 
Which is, and I love that too because I it opens Sorry. up. Sorry, hit the wrong button. Live shots, and I'm not editing, so we're just gonna keep going, yeah, and, and it's just gonna add minutes too. I apologize. We'll wait for those records. No, you won't. Um, we also have the prophecy of the record from the ground, and this one you don't really understand unless you have the Book of Mormon. Yeah, you know because Isaiah and Nephi explained that a voice of Joseph's descendants would be heard again as a voice out of the ground. Okay, ah, darn it. I gotta back up just a second we also have the prophecy of the record from the ground and so we need to see this i need you to see this yeah, scripture you know, because Isaiah, so i'm gonna pause it okay read this whole thing not just the highlighted parts and thou shalt be brought down and shalt speak out of the ground and they shall speech and they speech shall be low out of the dust and thy voice shall be as of one that hath a familiar spirit that's the important part of this out of the ground and they shall they speech shall whisper out of the dust this familiar spirit portion is a very important part of this as out of the ground and so on so they're going to take this and they they chop it up they manipulate it and they edit and they cherry pick <laughs> you might say out of this because this thing about being a familiar spirit is very very important because of what a familiar spirit is if this is a prophecy of the book of mormon and thou shalt be brought down and shalt speak out of the ground and they speech shall be low out of the dust and thy voice shall be as one that hath a familiar spirit out of the ground and they speech shall whisper out of the dust i'm going to let them talk for a minute and then we're going to come back and talk remember this familiar spirit thing though if i explained that a voice of joseph's descendants would be heard again as a voice out of the ground um, in the Book of Mormon, it specifically says voice from the dust. And it's really cool because you really, if you just had Isaiah, you would really have no context. You would have no idea what's, what he's talking about. But, but then the Book of Mormon helps us understand that it's literally, you know, this branch of Joseph, which are the Nephites, are going to write the records, bury them, and then through Joseph Smith, it's going to be like literally come from the ground, a yeah. new record. That's so cool. Okay. But it is as one that hath a familiar spirit. And prophets of years back used to say and isn't the book of mormon very familiar to the bible i remember hearing this so many times as a mormon but what is a familiar spirit see and joseph didn't quite get that and and here's an interesting thing okay sorry i hate to keep backing up and moving back and forth but we need to see this you know because isaiah this version okay isaiah 29 this is very important that we notice this because what we're going to see now, this is a picture from the topical guide within the Mormon, my, uh, got my name on it, my LDS scriptures, see, got my name, Holy Bible, given to me by my sister quite a few years ago. Um, it has this little thing in the back called the topical guide and a, a Bible dictionary. Um, I cropped it so you could see some of that stuff there that they, they keep in this. But what is a familiar, what is a familiar spirit? See also spirits, evil, unclean, superstition. A familiar spirit was literally a demon. This is every reference in here. Le, uh, Leviticus 19.31, regard them, not them that have a, that have familiar spirits. 26, turneth after such as have familiar spirits. 
sorry, my my highlighting in here. 2027, hath a familiar spirit, he be put to death. Deuteronomy 18.11, consult her with familiar spirits. 1 Samuel 28.3, put away those that have familiar spirits. 28.7, and coinciding with 1 Chronicles 10.13, seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit. 2 Kings 21.6, 2 Chronicles 33.6, dealt with familiar spirits. Isaiah 8, 9, 19, 3, 2 Nephi 18 and 19. Seek unto them that hath familiar spirits. Notice that Isaiah 29 is not mentioned here, is not recorded here. Because, again, the intentional deception. They tell you this is a prophecy of the Book of Mormon. This verse has a thing about familiar spirits. They don't want you to see that a familiar spirit is a demon. They don't want you to see that, so it is an intentionally left out. Intentionally left out. And then Jacob 2.17, be, be familiar with all. The one place where it's not regarding as a demonic spirit. So here, this is, this is absolutely, they are telling you, and sure, I'll buy right into the fact that this is a prophecy about the Book of Mormon, because it is absolutely demonic. This is why the majority of people in through the ni- 1990s and the early 2000s completely abandoned this as a prophecy. Completely abandoned it because with the advent of the in- internet and people were finding this and learning this and recognizing this, this was abandoned. I was shocked to see them actually talk about this. I, w- I really was. When I first watched this video, I was shocked to see them talk about this. Let's move on. Because, you know, we believe that we have the Book of Mormon and that it, it did go through a, the minimal amounts of translation. It's still, yeah. you know, like the, the ancient Americans, you know, they went yeah, through. Yeah, they weren't who, perfect. You know, yeah. and who knows. Or whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words of him. Sorry. So people who will go through Le- Lehi's descendants. That's so cool. And it's really Okay, cool. there we go. Um, Back to where we were. I keep hitting the spot. Another, okay, we already have that. So another one is the two records, right? The two sticks, right? The stick of Ephraim. Okay. Right. Ezekiel 37, take thee one stick and write upon it for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions, and then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel and his companions. Well, we recognize that this is an example. This is, this is God talking to his prophet and doing what he did with many other things. He told one prophet to lay on your side for a certain amount of time, and he told other prophets to do other things and, and doing things to give a visual to these people and he says take the one stick a stick and write upon it carve on it for judah and that for the children his commandments take another stick and carve upon it these were the two kingdoms of israel and for all the houses of israel and his companions these were the two kingdoms if you look at the northern and southern kingdom the southern kingdom was judah and all the rest were were ephraim joseph the the rest of the kingdom the rest of the tribes were the, the northern kingdom, or vice versa. I, for, I forget which is which. I have to yeah, pay more attention to that. But this is what this was. And this is Ezekiel was showing to these people and show them. And, and, and they will be joined together in your hand before these people. If you go on in Ezekiel 37, let me read the rest of it. Because again, they, they conveniently leave the rest of this out. Ezekiel 37. We're going to read all this. 
And the word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick, and write upon it for Judah, and for the children of Israel his companions, and take upon another stick, and write upon it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel his companions, and join them together one unto join them one to another into one stick, and they shall become one in thine hand. And when the children of thy people shall speak unto thee, saying, Wilt thou not shew us what thou meanest by these? Say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel his fellows, and will put them with, it, with him, even with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they shall be one in my hand. And the sticks whereon thou writest shall be in thine hand before their eyes. If these sticks are talking about the Book of Mormon, they were not before their eyes. But that's not even the most important part. Let them continue talking. Think of Joseph. Take thee and write upon it. So um, one of the strangest arguments against that I've heard is that they were just sticks. It's like, no, no. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing significant about it. Go ahead and laugh. Write upon one, write upon the other. That's it. Like, really? Like, you know, like well, 90% of the Bible is like... Has like and I love that because if, you, if, you if they were to take any other scripture, they would like metaphorize the heck out of it. Yeah. You know, but then when it applies to the Book of Mormon, they're like, no, that's literally just a stick. Okay, one, that's not necessarily true. We will look at things as metaphors when they are metaphors. And we will look at things that are not when they are not. This is from Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. This is everywhere in the Bible where the word stick is recorded is used and sticks and as you notice everywhere in ezekiel it is the same word it is the 6086 which is when we go to the hebrew it is eights which it comes from etzah the from its firmness to make firm it comes from etzah it is a tree hence wood plural sticks carpenter gallows helve pine plank staff stick Stock, stick, stock, timber, tree, wood. Nowhere, nowhere in any of scripture has this word ever been used to refer to a scroll or a book or anything other than a stick. This is why we stick to this, no pun intended, this argument. Because that is what it is. And if you continue on in Ezekiel, it is very, very clear that this is a one-time example given before the eyes of the people who are there with Ezekiel, who he is talking to about God and about these kingdoms. And he joins them together in one hand and they are there before their eyes. Well, if we had to wait until 1830 to get this other stick so they could be joined together, then this prophecy in Ezekiel is false. Bottom line. So, I'm going to let them continue on for a minute. Again, we've now gone back somehow. Uh, and I'm going to see if we can catch up to where we're supposed to be. Um, but we're going to let this go here for a minute because these were the only real three things that I wanted to address mainly so the the stick of joseph of course er, or is is the jews or it's the israelites the stick of ephraim is the book of mormon right it's it's, it's the people no who go through the it is the stick of judah is the one the northern or the southern kingdom and the stick of ephraim is the northern kingdom it is the rest of the house and if you look into uh 
the history of the Bible and so on, this is made very, very clear. Descendants, and that is the stick of Ephraim. And the stick of Ephraim, the stick of Judah, together create these two witnesses of Jesus Christ. But they were not together before their eyes, which is what Ezekiel 37 goes on to say. You're, again, you're cherry-picking, you're t ripping out of context to try to eisegete the Book of Mormon into the Bible. I'll let them talk a little bit more, but we are sitting at about 40 minutes now, so we're going to wrap this up. But I, I just want to see what else they have to say. That I feel like members of the church don't even understand half the time. We need both to stand as a witness. But perhaps the most important necessity of the Book of Mormon is found in the New Testament. Um, and this is, a, I'll, I'll read one example. This is Luke 9, 26 or 27. Or who's no idea what's what he's talking about, but but then the Book of Mormon helps us understand that it's literally uh, so you need to accept his word, not just part of it. And, and mind you, other scriptures that we probably haven't even discovered yet. Yes, yeah. Again, yeah. um, he also says, "When he shall come in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels." Then Luke says this, "But I tell you of a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they sing till they see the kingdom of God." So in many translations. This, and, and there's a number of other scriptures as well that we'll include here, uh, every single Christian scholar, there's a handful of Catholic scholars that disagree, but for the most part, Catholic scholars, Christian scholars, everyone agrees that the New Testament apostles believed that the second coming of Christ was going to be in their lifetime. Mm. So they were expecting Jesus to come again. I would not say that every single Christian scholar believes that, but... This again, this is a, another this is another straw man argument. We're going to go ahead and wrap this up. We're at 41 minutes. Um, you can go watch the rest of this video and, and make your own determinations. But again, these three prophecies, which are really the only prophecies of the Book of Mormon that they give, except for here they're talking about the only way that, that this could be the second coming of Christ that they were talking about was actually him going to these other things but then there would be a second and a third and a fourth because again they've talked about all these other uh records and testaments and so on which none of them are coming forward except for the book of jeronek it's still there it's out there um you can go download it and read it for yourself um i don't recommend it <laughs> i've read it uh years ago and it's not the the greatest uh work of literature so again None of these supposed prophecies match up to what they're claiming that they are. When you really look and be a Berean, really look and see what they are, none of them match up. So that's what I want to leave you with. Uh, my Christian friends, make sure you're studying the real thing, the genuine article, so that when a counterfeit comes along like this, you can recognize it. My LDS friends... Please get out of this absolutely deceptive religion that is, is founded on lies and deceit. It literally is. It is taking and, and fabricating things that do not exist into things that, are tr that are, they're trying to convince you are true in a religion that is absolutely false. And Christians, we have to be willing to get out there and be loud and be vocal and preach the gospel at all times. We have to use words because they are absolutely necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm -hmm.